Well, we are glad that you're here today, and uh, powerful time of worship. I love that last song that we sang, I mean, all good, right? I mean, all good, uh, but do it again. And um, it's a song that we sang right there, and just takes me back to where we were four years ago, where we were just uh, packing up um, in our last time, for the last time in the public school, or not the public school, but the Lutheran High School, and um, packing up, tearing down, and um, moving stuff over here, and getting ready for the first service. And, uh, and that was a powerful season of our lives in, in our church. And I just reminded, you know, it's so easy for us. You know, once we get settled in, you know, it got easy. We didn't have to get up early and, tear, and set up and have to stay longer to tear down. And we had so many wonderful helping hands. And uh, it's so easy here, you know, just kind of relax. And, uh, and so that, I love that song because I'm, I'm praying again, once again, for God to do it again. To do it again. I, I don't know what that is. So God, show me and do it again. Because I don't want a Christian life to get just settled. And I want, I, want, I want to keep pushing ahead and grow my faith in a way that God wants to show us and to grow us. And so um, just, uh, you know, as we talk about in our series today, a church after God's heart. And I want, that's what we want to be, a church after the heart of God. You know, I, um, Karen's grandfather um, was, um, got an interesting story that he shared with me one time. He passed away. Um, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, but he's, um, one thing about Karen's grandfather, my wife's my wife grandfather, um, was he was an original Orlando person. Um, what I mean by that is before Orlando became Orlando, you know, before Orlando became, a, you know, uh, a big city, before all that happened, he wasn't, he lived in Orlando where alligators outnumbered the people. And, and so that was the time period that he was in, and, and, and Karen's grandfather had a little uh, photography shop, just, you know, on the old, on one of the old roads down in Orlando, and, and uh, owned a little photography business. And uh, he would, from time to time, um, had a friend that had a little, he was a little airline, uh, airplane pilot, had a little airplane, and he and his friend would go up, and he would take pictures, you know, sometimes he would take pictures for a real estate, or he could take pictures of the up the general area, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, he had that special connection, so realtors were like, hey, we need you to take some survey pictures, and back in 1965, um, I'm sorry, 1964, uh, I believe, 1964, 1965, I'm close, but anyway, he was shoulder tapped by this um, real estate company, never heard of this real estate company, and said, hey, we need you to uh, take some pictures and uh, of this swamp. And you get your hairline buddy, airplane pilot, and we'll get up in a plane and take pictures. So he gets up there and taking pictures of 27,000 square miles uh, of, of swamp. And, and, uh, and Karen's grandfather is looking at the pilot and said, who, who in the world, who in the world would want to buy this wasteland of a swamp. 
And about a year later, he finds out that that unknown person was no other but a man named Walt Disney. And Walt Disney turned this big giant swamp into the happiest place on the planet. Turned into Disney World. The story told in 1963, Walt Disney was in an airplane flying around looking for land, just outside of Orlando, looking for land, looking for a place. And when he saw that same spot that Ken's grandfather took pictures a year later, when he saw that spot, he said two words. He said the words, that's it. That's it. He found what he was looking for. And then, of course, he built Disneyland or Disney World. Everything that he dreamed and imagined came true. What's crazy is he never saw Disney World completed. He passed away before it was finished. But they carried out his vision. They carried out his dream of this place. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave a vision, a dream to his disciples. And he told them in Matthew chapter 16, he tells the disciples, he said, I tell you that you are Peter. And that Jesus said, on this rock. And when you're saying this, he pointed them to himself. He's not pointing to Peter. Peter's not the rock. He said, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus dreamed that the church today would still be alive. He envisioned a church that is healthy, a church that is thriving to, to pursue the heart of God, a church after God's own heart. And that's what we're doing in this series, just really looking at what, what does God desire in the church, because the church gets a bad rap nowadays. You know, everyone has the ideas of what church is all about, but we want to be a church. We want to understand what a church is and what God has, the, what God has in mind when it comes to church. Last week, we talked about the great commandment, the church that loves God. A church that loves him with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind, all his strength. We talk about how to love one another. We talk about how that's important. And today, as we continue, we want to talk about the great commitment. Last week, the great commandment. Today, the great commitment, and that is to serve. To serve others. If you go to Wall Street today, and if you were asked the question, what is the secret to greatness? And the answer you will get from Wall Street is money, and lots of it. If you were to go to Washington, D.C. and say, what is the secret of, of greatness? And, and people would say, political clout. The higher you go up, the more power you have, and the more great you become. If you were to go to Hollywood and ask, hey, what, what's the secret to greatness? Now, Hollywood would say fame. But the greatest man who ever lived, Jesus Christ, had a different answer. 
And he said, here's the secret to greatness. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Success and greatness in the kingdom of God is far different than it is on the planet Earth. In the kingdom of God, there's no easy elevator to the top. To get to the top, in, in God's eyes, to get to the top, you have to climb the stairs of service. Jesus said again, and he modeled this. He said in verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. <coughs> the secret to greatness in the kingdom of God is not how many servants you have, but what kind of servant that you are. And the statement that Jesus made here it's one of the most incredible statements of his entire ministry. The one called by his own disciple as Lord and, and Master, the one person who should serve no one and be served by everyone, he said that, that, this, that his attitude is not to see what we can do for him, but what he can do for all. That was his mindset. And as I think about Today's message, I think about the question that I want to answer, and, and the question I want to ask you is this. Are you more interested in being served in a church? Or are you more interested in being a servant in the church? Are you more interested in being served, or are you more interested in, interested in to serve in others. Now, first grade teacher at your class asked the question, what do you, what do, you do to help at home? All the, answer, all the kids started responding. One, one little girl said, well, no, I, I, I dry the dishes. One boy said, I feed the dogs. And another kid said, you know, I, I, I help sweep the floor. And everybody gave an answer except for one kid who said nothing. And the teacher said, Joey, what do you do to help out at home? And Joey said, you know, I just stay out of the way. I just stay out of the way. And unfortunately, there are far too many church members in the churches all across our country, all across our community, who just stay out of the way. Just stay out of the way. You know, the, a, a recent poll that discovered that only 10% of church members are active in any kind of personal ministry. What's even more shocking is that 50% of our church members said they have no interest in serving, have no desire in serving in the ministry of the church. We need to understand that God has set up your life for you and I to serve. And if you're a parent, you learn very quickly when a baby starts to cry, that very first cry, you realize that your job has just become a full-time job. 
the servant. You know, if you're, you know, the reason people go to college and get degrees is to become an expert in some field of serving others. Even politicians, they like to, like to call what they do, they like what they call, they call it public service. And not only are we set up to serve others, and God wired us to, you know, God wants us to serve others in our earthly lives, but guess what? We're going to be doing it for eternity. It's not just, you know, when, I, when I'm done with this life, I'm done. We're going to do this forever. You see, in heaven, it's being described in, in Revelation chapter 22, in the last chapter of the book, of the, in the last chapter of the Bible, it said in verse number three, no longer would there be any curse, talking about the curse of sin, that'd be gone. He says the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, the holy city, and his servants will serve him. And so a church after God's heart is a church that serves him and serves each other. I want to give us three thoughts today about what it means to have a heart to serve. Here's the first thought, if you're taking note. God chooses to use me to serve others. He chooses you and me to serve others. So many of us need to understand this. So many of us need to learn this. You need to realize that the one who has created you has a, has a purpose for your life. Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here's what I know about you. Every person in this room, here's what I know. You're a masterpiece, a one of a kind. You're valuable in the sight of God. You're more valuable than you realize. You're a Monet, a Picasso. You know, you, you are a Rembrandt. You are, you are more valuable than you even realize. If you fail to live out what God has made you to be, if you don't live out what God has created you to be, then there is a giant hole in God's creative order. This has made you for something. It made you for a purpose. And you are a masterpiece. Everything created by God was created for a purpose. Oftentimes we, we like to believe in these we believe that we're not worthy. We hear those voices that said that we're not good enough. We hear those voices that said that we will fail if we try. We, we hear those words in our mind that says, what, what if you don't have all the answers? And, and, and we listen to all these lies, all these things that are not true, and we believe in it, and we don't do what God wants us to do. You see, you're, you're, not, you're not who others say that you are. You are who Christ said that you are. 
and you're a masterpiece. Never forget that. Never forget. Romans chapter 7, verse 4, Paul said, my dear brothers and sisters, he said, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. Right? He's talking about salvation here. Right? He said, you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. And as a result of our salvation, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Every Christian has been called to serve. Every Christian. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that every Christian is called a pastor or, or you're called to work full-time in a church. It might not necessarily be true for, for you. But however, every Christian is called to full-time Christian service. In other words, we're never off. We're always on the call. Always serving, not just on Sunday, but Monday and Tuesday in the marketplace, at home, in your, in, in your, your you know, different gatherings that you have, in the small groups. You're always on. You always have this mindset of Christ, a mind of Christ to serve others. We've got to understand, if you take a note, that you don't serve to be saved. You are saved to serve. You don't serve to earn salvation. Salvation has been bought with the price on the cross. It's been paid for. You don't earn it. However, when we get saved, we serve because we want to serve for what he did for us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. You were not saved to sit, soak, and shower. That, we're saved for a purpose to serve him. We have a purpose, and God has chosen you for his good work. Here's the second thought here. God empowers me and you to serve others. He gives, he gives us the, the spiritual equipment called spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts is, is, is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at his conversion to be used to minister to others and therefore build up the body of Christ. That's a spiritual gift. It's a special ability. It's not a natural ability. You know, you, can, you may have the natural ability to sing, but that's not necessarily a spiritual gift. You know, you may have the natural ability, you know, to, to, uh, to fix a car. That's, a, that's great, but that's not a spiritual gift, okay? A spiritual gift is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So every Christian is gifted. Not, not every Christian um, have the same gifts. We all have a variety. If we all had the same gifts, then, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to minister to each other in different ways. We'd all be, you know, too uniformed. 
And so there, there's a mix, you know, a, a potpourri of spiritual gifts that are happening here in this room. And so he wants to give us these gifts, and we all have different ones. Now, uh, I'm going to give you a couple here, a couple of gifts here. And this is not a complete list, but these are what I call um, ministry spiritual gifts, service spiritual gifts. There's the one called prophecy. Prophecy is a spiritual gift. It, 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 it means prophesying. And, and when we see in the scripture, and many people misunderstand the gift of prophecy, they think that this is the ability to tell the future. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but on a bigger scale, what the gift of prophecy really is, it's the gift of proclamation. And if you look at all the Old Testament prophets, I mean, they just said the word of God even when it's not popular. They're not afraid. I mean, you look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he was thrown in a pit. He was, he was thrown into stocks. He was thrown in a dungeon. There were a couple of times where, where they were like, let's just kill him. You know, we don't like what he had to say. They, they went full cancel culture on Jeremiah. And, and Jeremiah, you know, he was just like, you know, God, and he was like, God, I, you want me to say this word, but you just keep getting me in trouble. You know, I keep getting in trouble for saying your word. But this is the, a person that prophesied, that got the gift of prophecy, It's not afraid of cancel culture. They're not doing it out of, you know, out of, to be a jerk. They're still speaking the truth in love, but they're not afraid to say it. They speak the truth. And some of you have the gift of prophecy. You know, you, you just say how it is in a loving way, you know, and you just, but you say it. And it might offend, it might hurt, but you're doing it so that you can help. You're the, the spiritual gift of a Service. Service. Uh, people with this spiritual gift, they, they feel the need that they see without being told to feel it. They just see it. They come early, they're the first one here, and then the last one to leave. You know, they'll be the first. If you got in your small group, you know, someone in your, in your group that has this spiritual gift, they're, they're the one that says, hey, how can I help? They're always asking for how can I help. They're, they're the first one there. They're the last one to leave. They just want to be serving others. They just have that extra giftedness of service. Teaching is another spiritual gift. They see God's word and able to explain God's word in a way that people can understand and receive it. Encouragement is another spiritual gift. Maybe that's, your, maybe that's what you have. You've got the gift of encouragement. You can motivate people in their walk with Christ. You support people. You, you're always being optimistic. You're always sharing wisdom. You're, always, you're that person always putting the most positive stuff on Facebook. You know, and always putting positive, speak positive truth in people's lives. You know, on Sunday mornings, you know, uh, when I get here, you know, you know who I look for? I look for those that got the spiritual gift of encouragement. And I want to talk to everybody, but I really, really look for the encouragers. And I just, I want to get a little bit of, a little bit of that, you know, <laughs> you know, that encouragement, that courage that they can give you, that courage, that's what encouragement is, to put courage in others. You know, and, and, and I need that. And you need that. We all need encouragement along the way. Generosity is another spiritual gift. These are people that just, they just find, 
way to give more and more. They, they look for the most effective way to provide for the most people they can. Important spiritual gift, leadership. Leadership is a spiritual gift. Those that want to lead others and offer guidance and support and, and inspire people, they know how to motivate a team. We need those in a church. Here's the last one, it's a gift of mercy. This gift is something that allows all of us to move forward. You know, when we fall, because we're going to fall, we're going to mess up, we're going to fail. It's important to show mercy to each other, just as God has shown mercy to us. Most of our people are gracious to one another. It's another form of encouragement in a way, mercy. These are just different ways. These are different spiritual gifts, and this is not a complete list, but this is just ways that, uh, special abilities that God put in each and one of us to serve others. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Spiritual gifts, it's not given for your enjoyment, but for his employment. It's for, you, it's for the benefit of others. He says, God, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. And I believe, you know, personally, I believe a person, a Christian may have three. I'm not dogmatic on that, maybe, maybe four. But I know for sure that you all have all of the spiritual gifts. If you have all the spiritual gifts, then you don't need me. <laughs> you know, you got it covered, you know. But the Apostle Paul, he had three that I could find. I mean, I've, I've done the research and, and studied the scripture. I see three that he has, you know, three spiritual gifts. And, and some, but some have one spiritual gift. By the way, if you, if you say, I only got one, that makes you, that doesn't make you any less spiritual than the person that has three. And so it's not, it's not a measurement of, of your spiritual maturity. That's not what that is, you know. God, God gives you one, maybe two, a second, you know, a primary and a secondary. You might have a third one, and that's fine. But if you're here, says, God, I need help with this. One of the things we want to do here at Lake Point, we want to help you find your spiritual gifts in January. We're going to be offering a class, and we'll be talking about it, you know, as we get closer to January. I know, I know we've got far to get through, so, you know, um, and I, I hate it when I go to Walmart, and they already got Christmas decorations up. I said, come on, one, one holiday at a time, okay? And so I, but it's in January. We're, we're, we're putting it out there in January. We're going to have a class, and we want to help you find your spiritual gift. Now, I find two reasons why church members get frustrated, irritated. I, I find two reasons that, why church members lose interest in the church. Either they never discover their spiritual gift and don't know what it is, or they've discovered it, but they're not using it. You need to make sure that whatever you do in the church, two things are true that you have the ability and the giftedness for it, and you find a place for your giftedness, and you also got a passion for it. You've got to find that. You've got to find your fit. It's important to find your fit. When I was in middle school, seventh grade, my mom put clothes in the, in the closet. She said, get dressed, son, we've got to go to school. She, you know, she's a teacher at my school, so you know, we've got to carpool. You know, we arrived with mom to school. And I pulled out a pair of pants, 
And I put it on, and I felt a little snug. I thought, man, this is tight pants, you know? I said, maybe, maybe it was skinny pants, maybe, you know, skinny jeans. I didn't know what it was, but, you know, I was like, you know, this is new, this is different, but, you know, I suck it in, and I put on those pants. And I go to school. My mom's not even paying attention to my outfit. She just takes me to school. And I, I get there, and, and I get through a couple hours, and one of the co-teachers for my mom finds her and says, have you seen your son, Scott, today? <laughs> and my mom's like, what do we, we, we mean? He said, have you looked at his pants that he's wearing? Somehow my mom had put my younger brother's pants in the closet. And I was walking around. <laughs> you know, I'm in seventh grade. I don't care. <laughs> walking around. I look like I lived in Mississippi. Hope I don't miss, if I offend you, I'm sorry. I didn't say Alabama. That's my mom, my mom home state. And I'm walking around, my mom comes to and says, Scott, what are you doing? I said, what are you talking about, mom? I said, look at your pants. Yeah. I said, we're going home right now. And we go home, and she found the right pants. I said, oh, that, that feels much better, mom. Thank you. Some of you are in ministry, and this is what's going on. You're wearing the wrong pants. It's not the right fit. It's time to find the right fit so that you don't get frustrated, so that you don't get irritated. You find your sweet spot. Here's an equation right here. Ability plus passion plus service equals fulfillment. That's when you're taking your spiritual gift, your abilities, and you take it and you merge it with passion. And then you put it into a place of ministry where it fits that. You're going to find the right pants all day long. All day long. Here's the third thought and we're done. God, he expects us to serve him. He expects us to serve him. Christ himself, Ephesians chapter 4, Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He gave the church leadership, the, the leadership of the church for a reason. To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Our job as pastors People in our church, a kid director, a youth director, all of us on our staff, we are here to serve you by empowering you to serve others. We are not here to do all the work. We can't do all the work. We just can't. You know, you need to ask God, if you haven't already, you need to ask God to give you a mindset, the attitude of a servant. You see, it's against our nature to want to serve. It's against our nature. Now, it's our nature to be selfish. It's in our nature to, to say it's about me. This is what I want. So one of my prayers lately has been 
Lord, help me to be more selfless. God, help me to be more selfless because I can be, if left to my own device, I can be the most selfish person I know. God, help me to be more selfless. When the average person look for a church, here's the question that they ask. How can this church meet my needs? But a sign of maturity is when that person begins to look, how can I best serve in this church? Immature Christians said, who's going to meet my needs? The mature Christians said, what, what needs can I meet? The God is looking for servants. Servants. Two takeaways, I'm done here. Takeaway number one, find your fit. Find the right pants. And start serving. Start serving. In your program, there's a card that says volunteer interest. You can fill it out now, you can fill it out later. You can also go to a church website. We've got a, you know, you can find a way to serve and it's actually uh, um, the same thing there, you can do it online. And look at ways you can serve. Uh, and list, list a few things. I, I will tell you some of our top needs are, you know, we need more help in LP Kids. LP Kids. Our LP Kids numbers are growing. We're growing. We need more help. We need more help in LP students. Our students, we, 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 you know, we're, we're seeing some growth there, and we need some help. Maybe that, maybe that's an area that you, you feel like maybe God can can use you in. Medical, medical team. We don't want it really happens, but when something happens, we need a team to always be on call. And we need some help in that. And if you're like, you know, I got this, I've got the skill set. And I could be a part of that. Let us know how you can help. We want to help. Let us know that we want to help. We need help in the parking lot. Parking lot team. I missed it in the first service, but you know, Pastor Tom, he's looking for someone in the worship, you know, to, you know, to, to, that can help with the service production. That can kind of be the general in the back. Now making sure that. I'm up here on time, and you know things are in place, and cues are, you know, looking for someone that can be consistent in that area. You don't have to, you don't have to know the soundboard to do that. You just have to know how to give orders, right, Tom? Yeah. I mean, maybe that. I love giving orders. I, I do that, you know. <laughs> you know, let us know. That's not even on here. You, say, you know what? Write that down. So I, I, I'm interested in that. These are just some of those needs. Auditorium, host team, greeters, the parking lot team. Find a fit that best fit you and start serving. Now here's the second thought. This is so important. I'm going to challenge you to serve in one hour and worship in the other. You might worship first and serve. You might serve first and worship. I'm asking you to do that. Be more consistent with that. Maybe you're saying, well, I, I do LP kids once 
of Mark. We're asking for more. Because when you just do it once a month, you don't get to know the family, you don't go, you get to know the kids. It's a, it's a child care. But when you do it every week, it, it, it transitions from child care to discipleship. And one of our, our faithful, consistent volunteers, Mark and Stacy Wachesti, is how you pronounce your last name, Wachesti. Mark and Stacy serve every Sunday in LP Kids in the second hour. They serve in the first hour. They worship, I'm sure they're here, worship every Sunday. And they go and they serve. They get to know those kids. Not just by their faces, but by their forenames. They know what they like, what they don't like. You know, at first, some of the kids, you know, my daughter's one of them. You know, at first, it's like, kind of like, ooh, you know, what's going on here? And now, you know, it's Mark and Stacy, she loves them. She just loves them. Because you know what they're doing? They're not just babysitting once a month. But developing relationship and discipling them on a weekly basis. Not get it. Somebody says, God, I'd love to do more, you know, if I'm involved in different ministries. And, and that's fine, but man, I, maybe if you're serving once a month, up it to two times a month or three times a month. You know what else we need? You know, Mark, Mark it's one of the few men in LP Kids. Men, we need more leaders. We need more leaders in our student ministry. We need more men's leaders in our kids' ministry. We need it. And maybe God is just speaking to you to say, you know what, all right. We need you. You're needed. Mark is Stacy's model. I love the model. Serving Jesus but helping others with a happy heart. Whatever they do, the Bible verse that they follow, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for Tracy. You're not doing it for Pastor Tom, Pastor Chris. You're not doing it for Coy. You're, you're doing it for the Lord. You do it for me, you're not going to last long because I fail you. I'll let you down. But do it for the Lord. God expects you to serve him. He expects you to serve him. Last verse, I'm done. Okay. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Always, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I love the message translation. It said, throw yourselves. I love that language. Just throw yourselves into the work of the master. Get, get your feet wet. Jump in. Stop serving Start doing things for God. Have that heart of a servant. You want to know what breaks break selfishness? It's when you jump in and say, I'm going to start serving. And it starts to break the walls of selfishness in your life. Throw yourself in the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Much of what we do in life doesn't matter much from an eternal perspective, but your service to the Lord it matters. It matters. It matters. My friend, you're a masterpiece. 
You're one of a kind. God made you for a purpose. I pray that you will use who you are and throw yourself, throw yourself in the work of the master and do it with enthusiasm for the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us today. Help us. Oh God, help us to go to live our life with full passion, serving others, serving our church members, serving each other, serving people in our community. God, I pray that we have a, have a, a, a mind, a heart of Jesus, where he was willing to lay it all down for us who did it. God, I pray that we will have that mindset of serve. Help us to find the right fit the right pants so that we can do what you called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.